Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Please take it as such. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. Lord, we do receive your word as such. Thank you for speaking to us this morning uh, through this passage, Lord. Uh, illuminate our hearts just like Paul was asking in that prayer in chapter 1 for us to understand, Lord, just the the mysteries, and Lord, that we would just um, find the freedom in this passage in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you hear there's a new way to be human, and I'm not talking about AI? Imagine, if you would, with me, someone who spoke truth and was always very brief in his anger Uh, Someone who was generous, um, always built others up, was kind and forgiving. And what if I told you that's not only what you could be, it's actually who you are. It's who you are. We're wrapping up Ephesians chapter 4, and if you remember last week, it started with Paul saying, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. There's this idea of a walk. Christianity is a new walk. If you go back with me a couple chapters, Ephesians chapter 2, it was the message that Pastor Greg uh, preached, 
And it says this, that we were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked. And then if we skip to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, this is what we read. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. This brings a lot of weight because now this I, t- I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk. There it is again, as the Gentiles do. So we must, never, we no, we must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Why? Go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. That's where everything is kind of set up, laid out for us. We must no longer walk as the Gentiles do because of the great love with which God has loved us Even though we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. How did he make us alive? We skip to verse 8 of chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. That's the whole premise of this letter of Paul to the Ephesians. It's not by your own doing, it's the gift of God. What is this gift? Verse 10 of chapter 2. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. This is where Paul introduces this concept of a new humanity in Christ. And then as we kind of went along, that same chapter 2 talks about the fact that this new humanity is composed of Jews and Gentiles, again, in Christ. Chapter 3 talks about this mystery of the gospel and the fact that the church is the body of Christ, Christ being the head of the church. There's a new way to be human. And this new way to be human isn't based on deeds, right? Again, it's the gift of God. It's uh, not by our own doing. And I, I say this at the beginning because it's so important. Otherwise, we can see what we just read as just a long list of to-dos and to-don'ts. And so we look at this and we're like, okay, well, I, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't steal. I shouldn't uh, be angry. I shouldn't lie. And if we look at this, that's the danger. And really, that's, all that is is religion. The big idea I want to give you today is this. Walking in a manner worthy of the calling is not doing something different, but being who you really are. And so if there's a new way to be human, Paul now addresses that there's also an old way to be human. And that's how he begins. In verse 17, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, watch this, in the futility of, of their minds. The old way to be human has this idea of a feudal mind. What does that mean? The word feudal in the Greek is the word mataiotetos, which uh, the reason we actually even use these words is not to be fancy. It's because there's a lot of meaning behind that. What does mataiotetos also mean besides feudal? It means worthless. It means empty. And so we could say a futile mind, or a worthless mind, an empty mind. How about this? A mind without meaning. There's an oxymoron for you. A mind that, like the futile mind basically doesn't work as it should. That's the, that's the whole point. And why doesn't it work as it should? Well, I want to show you a cross-reference of really Ephesians chapter 4, this passage we're looking at. I, I, I recognize that there's a, a cross-reference to this, and it's Romans chapter 1. And we're going to look at some verses. We're not going to look at it in order. We don't have time to look at everything in that chapter, but I'm just going to kind of hit some spots here that'll give us more insight on what this old way to be human looks like. And it starts with this. It's this idea that the reason there's a feudal mind is because that mind that is worthless, that doesn't work as it should, does not, or actually fails to acknowledge God. Let's look at this. Romans chapter one, verse 28. It'll be on the screen. Since they didn't see fit to acknowledge God, And here, this is such a sad verse. God gave them up to a debased mind. 
to do what ought not to be done. We'll talk about that in just a sec. But the result of this debasement is this. Go a few verses back. Verse 21. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So if we go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, after talking about the futility futility of their minds, it then says they are darkened in their understanding. Look at the logical progression here. What once was futile is now dark and evil. A worthless mind leads to a darkened understanding, an evil understanding. Um, Author Dwight Longenecker says it this way, and you probably could relate to this. First, we overlook evil. Then we permit evil. Then we legalize evil. Then we promote evil. Then we celebrate evil. Then we persecute those who still call it evil. Ouch. That's kind of what's happening in our, in our day. Well, let's, let's look at what this evil looks like. Romans chapter 1 provides a long, nasty, dark list. Bear with me. Romans chapter 1, verse 29. Filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy and murder and strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. I'm not going to stop there. I promise. Though they know God's righteous degree, bad, bad news comes before the good news, okay? So there's still more bad news. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, please understand this idea of practice is, in other words, it's become their lifestyle. Those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. That's what Dwight Longenecker was saying here. If you go back a little bit, verse 22, it kind of sums it up well. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And verse 24, the result Again, there it is. God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity. It's not what God wanted. He lets them do it. They choose to do it, and they're going to have the consequences of what they're doing, but it's their choice. And so we get to verse 18. We keep on reading this sad progression from the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. They've alienated themselves from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Is that the root issue? Ignorance? Is that why? That they simply don't know? Well, let's go out and tell them. No, it's deeper than that. The deepest problem of the old humanity, humanity is a heart issue. If you keep on reading, the old way to be human, let me go through it again. Darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. That's the root. A hardness of heart. I have with me here an illustration to help us understand this. I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and um, if I'm going to be able to find it, yeah, here it is. So when I, when I thought of this hardness of heart, it reminded me of, a, of, of something. Um, it reminded me of a stripped screw. A hard heart is like a stripped screw. Um, if you have a, a heart that is softened and tender-hearted to uh, the things of God, then, you know, when God speaks, we listen. And as we hear his commands and we stay away from evil, we are being grounded, we are being rooted, and nothing's going to happen. We are secure. But a, but a hard heart, 
a, a conscience that no, no longer listens to God. At first they did, but then, you know, oh, because of what people say, or maybe because of peer pressure, or because simply they've been listening too much to the enemy, now they're, 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 they're trying as best as they can, and whenever God speaks, well, it, it, just, doesn't, it just doesn't hold. It's a stripped screw. A hard heart is like a stripped screw. And so verse 19, we read, they have become callous. That's what ends up happening. What does callous mean? To grow insensible, to grow numb. Now when God speaks that, whatever. I think at one point, yeah, you told me this, Lord, and I obeyed, but now you know what? I've kind of given up on that. And now we have this stripped heart, this calloused heart. And look at what, what causes that. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, or not the cause, but the result. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Behind this hard heart is this idea of greed, of selfishness. And, and that's the trap, isn't it? Because the world actually will tell you, look out for number one. You know, if it feels right, it must be right. That's, that's what we say. This way then actually seems reasonable to the world. But it's actually a deception. What a tragic reality when God is out of the pe- picture and he gives them up to um, this debasement. It goes like this. Feudal minds due to hard hearts result then in greedy, impure acts. That's the old way to be human. But there's a new way. And look at what uh, Paul says here in verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ. I want you to look at that phrase. That is not the way you learned Christ. Maybe there's someone in this room that's thinking, ah, uh, I think that's, that was written wrong. It should be you, you learn about something. No. Actually, here in the Greek, it is actually that idea of learning a person. This is actually unparalleled elsewhere in the Bible. It's the first time we see this, and that is exactly what Paul means here. This is not an error. That is not how you learned Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. It's learning a person. Why? Because the teaching on how to be a new human is not some kind of moral philosophy. It's not some five-point lesson on life improvement. No, it's Christ himself, not only the example to follow, but the one who enables us by grace through faith. It's Christ. But this is not how you've learned the person, Christ. And, And what have we been taught? If we keep on reading, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, what have we been taught? To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Notice that clothing imagery of putting off and putting on. This is clothing imagery. And so when you first see this, you might be thinking, well, that kind of sounds superficial, doesn't it? I mean, really? Clothing imagery? Are you basically saying that we're supposed to cover up our corruption uh, with nice clothes? Again, we can resort to what the Greek says, not to be all fashionable, but to actually get the meaning. And what we are putting off is anthropos. What is anthropos? Think anthropology, right? It's human. We're putting off the old human or the old humanity and putting on the new humanity. There's a new way to be human. This is not some kind of cover-up when using this clothing imagery. It's putting on who we are in Christ, in this new identity that we have in Christ. 
There's a new way to be human. So why this imagery clothing? I think two reasons. The first is this. Um, and again, in, in the Bible, there's different versions. Some will say the new man or, or, the, or the new self, uh, the, the new humanity, the new human. I'm going to use the word new human to just be literal to that, that Greek word, anthropos. So the new human that, that we put on should be visible. That's why we put it on, because it's visible. Um, you can't be a real Christian and not show it. Well, let me give you an example. Think, think uniform. Um, can you tell me, just by looking at this picture, what these people do? First picture. You can guess, right? Oh, they must be chefs. Are they good chefs? That's another question. But they're chefs. All right, let's look at this next picture. Think uniform. Well, there's no uniform there. Maybe it's someone that attends our church. Who's that guy? I've seen him before. All right, next picture. Oh, that's Matt Olson. He's the guy that leads home runs this year for all our baseball fans here. There's so many in the house, right? Okay, maybe not. I liked it, so I put it there. Um, let's look at another one. Okay, this guy. Maybe he's a student. Um, all right, next picture. Wow, oh, okay, he's part of the military. I actually chose that picture specifically because um, really, actually, if you think about it, the uniform we are to carry, we'll actually find out later on in this letter, Ephesians 6, the full armor of God. We are in a war, after all. We need to make sure we're wearing the right uniform. So that was just kind of a, a, side, a side note in that. But here's what I'm getting it at. Why didn't he just say, you know, become like Christ? Why this idea of putting off and putting on? And I really think the Lord spoke clearly to me on this as, as I was praying. I think putting on and putting off is because you put off something that is not you and you put on something that is still not you. You put off something that is not you, the sinful lifestyle. Don't buy into the lie that that's just who you are. You have to accept it. You put off what is not you and you put on still what is not you, Christ in you. A reminder of what Paul has been saying in Ephesians this whole time, that it's nothing that we do. And so we put off what is not us. We put on what is not us. That's why there's that clothing imagery. It's nothing we did. Here's the second reason I think that, uh, in fact, it goes even a little further. Not only is it putting off something that's not us, it's actually putting on Christ himself. So the new human should be visible. Number two, the new human is Christ himself. Let me back it up with a passage from Paul in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, that makes it crystal clear. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is not how you've learned Christ. How do you learn Christ? You put off the old, that is not you, and you put on Christ, which is still not you, but Christ in you. And as you do that, you're displaying Christ, and people see Christ in you. I love my favorite verse is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It is no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. That's the new way to be human. So we need to put off the old, put on the new. Okay, okay, great. How do we put off the old? Any, any more clues? Well, let's look at verse 22. He get, goes a little bit on what that old looks like. We've already seen Romans 1, but let's see what uh, Paul has to say here in this chapter. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through, look at that word, deceitful desires. Corrupt through deceitful desires. I think that is key right there. The old self is rooted in lies. Isn't it true? I was talking with someone who was a, a week or two ago, and they don't come to this church, and that person was basically trying to convince me that their 
ungodly lifestyle was okay. And they were saying, you know, you know for a long time I've grown in church and, and, you know, I was really hiding it. But, you know, finally, I finally opened up to this is just who I am. And, man, there was such a peace that came upon me. And as I listened to that, all I could hear was Romans 1. He gave them up to their debased minds. Of course you're going to feel a semblance of peace. It's called release, but it's not the peace of God. It's not the peace of God because that is not your identity. But that's what people do. They convince themselves that their ungodly lifestyle is okay because of this semblance of peace. Oh, that means God must approve. No, you are being deceived. God gave you up to that. But wake up, that's not his will for your life. So how do you put off the old? Well, you, you flee from that deception. In other words, how do you flee from deception? You run towards the truth. So put off the old. You get, off the, the, you get rid of the lies by seeking truth. And guess what? What is truth? Or should I say, who is truth? Well, we read, as the truth is in Jesus, who he is and who we are to him. And if we just look at the Ephesian context, we already know so much since we've been looking at this. Who are we in him? Chapter 1, verse 4, we are chosen. Chapter 1, verse 7, we are forgiven. Verse 13, we are sealed and kept. Chapter 2, verse 7, we are promised eternal kindness. Verse 18, we have full access to God. Chapter 3, verse 18, the immeasurable love of Christ is for us. Verse 19, we are filled with the fullness of God. And the list goes on and on. How do you put off the old? You put off the lies and walk in the truth. There's a new way to be human. So you put off the old by getting rid of the lies. So how do you put on the new now? All right, you took it off. I'm refusing the lies. Well, already there's that, that clue. I look to the truth. That's the first thing. You put on the new how? By looking at the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus, as the truth is in Jesus. Or as we read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So we look to Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and what he says about us. And when we embrace that truth and we live in that truth, here's the second thing, God enables us to bring our behavior into conformity to our true identity in Christ. How? Who, who enables us? How does he enable us? By his spirit. So we rely on the Holy Spirit. So how do we put off the old? We deny the, the lies. How do we put on the new? We go towards the truth. The truth is Jesus, and we rely on the Holy Spirit. Why do I say this specifically? Because of what's sandwiched between verse 22 and 24. We read verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And I could have said, and to renew yourself. To renew yourself in the spirit of your mind. No, that's what the world says. You know what? You can figure it out. You can do it. You, you've got this. Positive thinking. No, no, no. It's nothing we do. It's passive. We receive by grace. And so to be renewed in the spirit of, of your mind, it is someone renewing us. Great. Well, who's renewing us? Paul gives us an answer in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. He says, he saved us. Not because of the works done by us in righteousness, if we haven't heard that enough already. That's crystal clear. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, and watch this, and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. We can't make ourselves new. Only the Holy Spirit can. And I'm going to land back on that towards the end of my message, but I want to move on because Paul moves on. After giving the, the principle, he's now going to apply it to certain examples. 
certain specific examples of how to put off and put on in everyday life. And it's very rich, and I wish I could go through each one, but just for time's sake, what I'm going to do is we're going to do a case study of one of them, and hopefully you can take notes and, and, and then apply how we um, approach this case study and be able to look at the others on your own time. So here's a case study, and the one I chose, uh, and so there's different ones. There's, there's put off the lying, uh, there's uh, put off uh, anger, we'll, we're going to talk about that. Um, there's putting off um, stealing, and then there's uh, putting off the, the corrupt words. But today, we're going to focus on putting, the putting off of anger, and the reason being is that it goes a little deeper than that. Here, here's the case study. Let's, let's read verse 26. It actually starts on a positive note. <laughs> Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let's stop right there. That's what I want to focus on right now in our case study. It says, be angry. Would it be wrong for me to say then, um, anger per se is not a sin? After all, Jesus was angry, yet he never sinned. So again, don't take this as a Twitter quote and just leave with that. I'm going to give context. But anger per se is not a sin. Now to understand this, let's, let's look at the, that, that phrase, be angry, do not sin. That be angry is not a command, okay? It's not be angry. I think, look at it more like this way. Imagine, okay, I'm, I'm running late and I'm calling my wife to let her know I'm gonna run late. So, hon, I'm, I'm, um, I'm gonna be late. I'm gonna try to get there as soon as I can. Uh, it would be uh, poor English to say it this way, but this is how Paul is saying it. That's how it's translated in, in the Greek. Basically, he, he's saying, oh, okay, be angry. It, it's gonna happen. As if my wife would say, okay, be late. That's a fact. I'm not commanding you to be late. I'm acknowledging that you're going to be late. So be late, but you know, don't run a red light, basically. Right? That, that's what it's saying here. It's not a command. It's acknowledging a fact. Okay, be angry, but, but when you're angry and if you're angry, that's what it's saying. So that's what I want you to keep in mind as we go into this. Here's two, two things I think that we can uh, see about this. So it's when you're angry or if you're angry, do not sin. In other words, if angry, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish in your anger. See, there's, there's a difference between a selfish anger and a righteous anger. And Jesus gives us an example of both. When uh, the selfish anger reacts to a personal offense, but a righteous anger grieves over a situation. When Jesus, so Jesus never sinned, right? So when Jesus was wronged, insulted, and mistreated, it was a personal offense. Notice, he didn't react. He never reacted when it was something geared towards him specifically. No personal offense was going to cause him to be angry, and so no, he didn't sin. It is a sin to react on a personal offense. Watch what Jesus did, though, when he did get angry. Mark chapter 3, verse 5, when he's dealing with hard-hearted Pharisees, who, don't, who are kind of questioning and wondering or wanting to trap Jesus, is he going to heal such and such a person? And so we read Mark chapter 3, verse 5, he looked around at them with anger, but watch what follows. Grieved at their hardness of heart. Righteous anger is followed by grief. I thought that was kind of interesting to see, and that's how you can determine whether that anger is is right or not, but, but here's the deal. We don't end there. Again, don't leave with just that in mind. So when or if angry, don't be selfish, okay, but it doesn't stop there. 
Because then he continues, right? If angry and you are right to be angry, let's say, well, don't forget, anger is a very dangerous emotion with destructive power. And so if angry, let it be brief. That's what he's saying here. When, when you keep on reading, um, it says here, um, do, uh, be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So if you get angry, I'm not commanding you to be, but if you get angry, let it be brief. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Why? He gives the reason right away. Why should anger be brief? This is so important. And give no opportunity to the devil. I believe there's a link here. Because that word opportunity could be translated to and don't give a place to the enemy. What does that remind you of? An occupied place, a stronghold, a foothold, a beachhead. If we take this from the military perspective, in fact, some commentaries say that this is a military term. It's this idea of stay angry and you give the devil an occupied place. Stay angry and you give the devil a beachhead. A beachhead is... Uh, when uh, 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 the army would conquer in enemy territory a specific place, location, that would become their beachhead, and from there they would then attack other areas within the enemy territory. And that's what the enemy does when he takes a hold of us because of anger that continues on. Anger that is not brief becomes a beachhead in our lives for the enemy, and from there they will then attack other areas. And man, when I saw that, it hit me so hard. In other words, from what may seem like not a big deal, what might even seem right, from this attitude of anger, the enemy will seek to occupy other areas in your life. No wonder when you harbor anger, you feel weak, you feel tempted in other areas, and you're wondering, how is that? And it hit me hard because anger is such a subtle thing. Perhaps there's even people here that have been angry for years, maybe decades, and you have simply not let go. And I just want to say, I felt to say this this morning, that there is a desperate need to let go of anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Yeah, but I'm right to be angry. But, but are you? Really? Because we're going to keep on reading here. Bear with me here. You stay angry, you give the devil an opportunity. You give the devil a beachhead, a foothold. That, that enemy is the devil himself. Hey, do you know the devil? When you do that, you open yourself to the supernatural and dangerous being that is the devil who only has one desire for you in three parts, to steal, to kill, and destroy you and those around you. This is serious stuff. And so, oh, if you get angry, when you get angry, oh, let it be brief. And there's such freedom in that. Okay, but how? How do we do this? Okay, well, that's why... Paul is using this as a, as a case study, as an example. What have we learned so far? To put off the old, put on the new. Well, the old is rooted in deceit. And that's why you're going to hear those lies in your mind when you're angry. Oh, you're right to stay angry. You know, it's despicable what they did. And you play the tapes of offense over and over in your head. You can't sleep all night because you come to the point where you are so consumed. And then, guess what? You sin in your anger because you simply couldn't let go. I think we've all been guilty of that. I know I have. And I hope it's so freeing for you today as it was for me seeing this. 
What do we do? We put off the old. We don't listen to those lies. We put on the new. We rely on the Holy Spirit and we look to the truth that is Jesus, not only as the one who, en- who enables us, but also the one who is the example. And Peter gives us a great example of what Jesus would do in your situation if you are offended in some way. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. Christ committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled personally towards him, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That is so key right there. That is what Jesus did. He continued entrusting himself to him who judges rightly. You want to know how to deal correctly with anger? You do so by entrusting yourself to God. And when you entrust yourself, there's such a freedom, such a release, and now you become empowered to actually do the complete opposite of what anger would do to you. And we read it in verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Now, because you have released that anger, you don't have that hard heart that could lead to a darkened understanding and a futile mind. You're free. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. There it is. Jesus, our example telling us what to do, but also having done it himself. And this, I think, is so important. I don't know why the Holy Spirit like, led me to speak specifically on this as the case study, but I think it is so important. An unforgiving heart is the devil's playground. But before long, if we let it nurture, it can become the Christian's battleground. And there's that beachhead, and you're wondering why you're weak in all the other areas. And you think it's all those other areas, when in reality, it's this anger you've been harboring for so long. Be free this morning. And trust yourself to him who judges rightly. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so we let him take care of us. That's what it means in this specific case study to put off the old and put on Christ. Forgive as Christ forgave you. And so there's others uh, here, like I said, that we could apply this same principle to. And I want you to think about it. If maybe these are areas that you're struggling with. Essentially, I'm going to kind of go through it real quick. You put off lying. How? By putting on the truth. Why? Because you are members one of another. Kind of interesting when you look at it closely, this idea that, especially when it pertains to the people of God, oh, never lie to your brother or sister in Christ because you are members of one another. If you're lying to them, you're lying to yourself. You're hurting yourself. That's just, that's just quickly. Uh, if you keep on going, put, on, uh, put off stealing, right? Put off taking what's not yours. And don't just have an honest job. You can read it. That's what it's saying. Don't just have an honest job. Actually, because you've put off lying, now putting on, or put, it, put off stealing, putting on the new is now being generous. It's going the extra mile. It's doing what you never thought you could do when you were in that, that time of, of need where you had to steal things. Or it goes on uh, putting off corrupt speech. It's not, the answer is not just to be quiet. Actually, if you put off the old and then you put on the new, you put on the new and that means that now what was corrupt speech now becomes a blessing to others. You are now building others up with your words. This is the new way to be human that Paul is inviting us into. Okay, okay, but come on. A little bending of the truth, a little temper flare up, a little taking what's not mine, you know, a little bad mouthing. I mean, who doesn't do that? Come on, what's the big deal? The deal is that is not how you learned Christ. A few years back, my son, and I actually asked him about it this week, and he doesn't remember, so at least there's that. He was maybe too young to realize what he was doing. 
But my son, we were uh, at, a, at a candy store. I was getting ice cream for the kids. And um, uh, my son does not know how to lie, and that's a good thing. Um, as he's walking out, man, he looks so guilty. And so he- Helen caught, caught him and was like, Jesse, you okay? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And we just had this feeling. It's like, Jesse, do you want to tell us anything? And he just, oh, I'm sorry. And he had taken something without paying for it. Ooh, my dad's heart. I was like, oh, okay, how do I react? All right, righteous anger, righteous anger. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was really grieved about the situation, but I was really upset um, that he had done that. I thought he'd know better. And so we talked and uh, essentially, you know, explained to him what it means to put off the old, put on the new. And you know what? The answer is put the candy back too. And so we went back, explained uh, to the person, apologized, Jesse himself apologized and all was well and, and everything was fine. But the, the idea there was that I kept saying to him this, and, and I think someone should hear this this morning. I looked at him in his eyes and said, son, this is not who you are. And I really believe someone needs to hear this this morning. Son, this is not who you are. This lifestyle you're living, this is not who you are. This, this sinful habit, this is not who you are. Daughter, this is not who you are. Insert whatever sin struggle you're going through right now. Or worse yet, insert what you have now maybe accepted as status quo, yet you know that the Bible is not in agreement with what you're doing. This is not who you are. Don't buy into the lie. You say, I've tried to overcome, I've done my best, but I, you know, this sinful habit, I, I just keep coming back to it. No, this is not who you are. Don't buy the lie. Don't buy the lie that it's too late. Don't buy the lie that it's okay. No, you want to know the truth? It's deceiving and it's potentially even deadly. This is not who you are. If you are in Christ, if you are born again, you are a new creation. You are part of the new humanity. This is not who you are. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says it this way. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You've been made new. And now I want you to live in that reality, says the Lord. Put on Christ. How do you put it on? You look to the truth. Jesus, the example, the enabler. You rely on the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't try, try, don't do, just be. Did you notice there's a new way to be human? Walking in a manner worthy of the calling is not doing something different, but being who you really are. Note how the language shifts a little from putting off and putting on to this in verse 31. It's a little bit different. Watch this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. If you notice that tense, it's a very passive tense. And I kind of alluded to it already when I talked about relying on the Holy Spirit. Somebody is joining you in this process of transformation. Who? The Holy Spirit. And so that's why I want to kind of look at this last verse for us today, chapter 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I want to kind of end on that because really, if you think about it, how do you put off the old, put on the new? The short answer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Because not only does he renew our minds, as we saw, but he is the guarantee of our salvation, sealed for the day of redemption. And so the problem, though, is that some people can think, oh, well, you know, that means, does that mean now I can do whatever I want Uh, Actually, if you really do think like that, you might want to rethink if you are actually part of the new creation because the new creation would not think that way. 
The proof of your sealing is that you are kept holy, at least in your lifestyle. You recognize when something grieves God, you don't want to keep doing it. And so you, you, you turn to, to, to God and you run to Christ and you seek the truth and refuse the lie. But sadly, the very one who sealed us, the one we need daily, is the one that we sometimes grieve. No one's perfect, so we sometimes grieve him. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? I just want to be real simple, but I think it'll help. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Whatever is contrary to him. And notice it's in his name. Actually, John Stott said it brilliantly. Since he is the Holy Spirit, he is always grieved by unholiness. If there's unholiness in our life, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. You want to live a holy life, then leave all unholiness. And so we need the Holy Spirit. We don't want to grieve him. As I close and I call the band up, I want to land the plane a little bit on emphasizing the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives in, in this walk. We want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. That's how Paul started in Ephesians 4. We want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. We've learned to put off the old and put on the new, renewed in the spirit of our minds by the Holy Spirit. We look to Jesus as the truth and we rely on the Holy Spirit. And so let me talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. There's a story of a boy who uh, knocked on the door of this Italian artist who had recently deceased. And um, uh, he, he, he knocks on the door and a woman answers and he just simply looks at her and says, is there any way that I could have the master's brush? And he explains, you know, I, I'm an artist and I've been trying to get better and I'm convinced if I can have the master's touch, I'm going to be better than I ever was. And so the, the woman looked at him and, and with compassion just went ahead and gave him the brush. And so the boy was so excited and he started to use the brush of the master and, and to his dismay, he didn't paint any better. And he was so sad and so confused. And the woman that was watching the whole scene finally looked at him and says, listen, listen, son, you can't paint better than the master. You can't paint like the master unless you have his spirit. And that spoke to me because that's really the question I want to ask this morning. Some of you have been trying on your own to paint a better story in your life, in your own efforts. But unless you have the Holy Spirit You'll never be able to live that holy life that God wants for you that will truly bring the true joy. So I ask you this morning, do you have the Holy Spirit? Now, follow my train of thought here. The Holy Spirit is a gift that we receive. So it's nothing that we do. But you know if you don't have the Holy Spirit. You know. It means you've never asked for him before. You've never received him before. And so if that's you this morning... This is your opportunity to, to hear this and respond, to be a part of the new humanity that we've been talking about these last few weeks, to be a part of this, uh, this, this new, be this new human. And this is so vital. It's the beginning uh, point of everything. It's a yes or no question. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Does Jesus live inside of you? Have you accepted him as your Savior and your Lord? Well, how do I do that? You turn from, from sin, you repent for your, for, for, for your sins, and you trust in Christ. You trust that he is the one that paid the price for you. And that's just kind of a, explaining it like that, but uh, our prayer teams are here to explain it more in depth. And so if you've never made that decision, I, I want to really call it out to you right now. Don't keep living in the old way to be human. There's a new way to be human. And if you have not made that choice yet, I encourage you to do so. It is so freeing and so liberating. But now I want to address maybe most of us here that we've, we've been 
Uh, we, we would say we have the Holy Spirit. Maybe some would even say, well, I think I have him. I think I had him. And there's like doubt. And I want to address that this morning. And I think this is even something that I've kind of grown more into. The, the, the older I get, I've been kind of rethinking some things that maybe I learned uh, growing up. And because the question that can sometimes be asked is like, well, if you grieve the Holy Spirit, does the Holy Spirit leave? And, and the more I think about it, the more I would say no. If you have the Holy Spirit, um, or if you don't know if you have the Holy Spirit and you have doubts, because obviously in your life it's showing you're still struggling with the old uh, you, um, you might be thinking, well, maybe I've grieved him too much. Did he leave? And again, I say no. No, because of what we see here. Sealed from the day of redemption. But also think of it this way. I'm, our, our father is a good, good father. I'm an okay dad. If my children um, grieve me, I may be disappointed in them. I may be a little upset. I may have to discipline them. I'm never going to leave them, right? So does the Holy Spirit leave because I grieved him? No. If you are born again, if you are the new creation, the Holy Spirit does not leave you. But here's the thing. You have all of his spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have all of you? And that's the difference. And that could be why you're struggling so much. Does the Holy Spirit have all of you? Have you surrendered completely to him? Have you, do you, are you really letting Christ live inside of you? Or did you just kind of say that as a manifestation, as a profession, and then kind of lived your own life? So I just want to encourage you to make that just become a reality. You are part of the new creation. Now let's live like it. There's a new way to be human. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Let him renew your mind. Look to the truth. That is Jesus. Don't, and, and again, this is not about doing something different, leaving and saying, okay, well, check, I'll do this. No, it's about living in the reality of who you really are in Christ. Did you hear? There's a new way to be human. Would you be a part of it? Let's pray. I invite you guys to stand up. I don't know why the Holy Spirit led me to talk specifically about uh, anger at one point. And so maybe I want to kind of address that this morning. Maybe there's some here, you've been harboring anger in your heart for a long time now. Now you have the principle of how you can attack this. You, you, you reject the lie, you walk in the truth, and you follow the example of Christ. And so if there's some here where there's just anger welling up inside of you, maybe for decades now, and maybe some things that in your hearts seem right, remember what I said, like you don't hold on to it. Even if it's right, you don't hold on to it. You let God deal with it. There's, it's so freeing when you let God handle whatever frustration you be, may be having. And I believe that God wants to free some of you here this morning from harboring this anger that you're not supposed to bear, you're not supposed to carry. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. On that specific thing, I felt led to just talk about it a little bit more. If that's you, I, I, I ask you now, I plead with you right now, to just let that go. And trust yourself, just like Jesus did, and trust yourself to him who judges rightly. So Lord, for anybody that's dealing with anger right now in their hearts and they've been harboring it and they are not able to forgive, God, I pray right now that as they look to you the truth, as they see what you did and as they ask the Holy Spirit to help them uh, 
have them be conformed to your image, Jesus. That, Lord, there would be just transformation and complete freedom as they walk in this new way to be human, Lord. Right now, thank you for freeing them as they forgive just like you forgave them. Lord, release that right now so that there's no stronghold that, that allows the enemy to at attack in other areas. God, free them right now from whatever anger may be welling up in their hearts. To just let it, let it go and let, and let you deal with it, Lord. We're not meant to hold on to anger. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. As for, as for those that are here and you just, you're embracing this principle now, of putting off the old and putting on the new, I just encourage you, if, if, you, if you're feeling that need to just um, release right now whatever this, this, this old has been nagging at you, uh, just right now, just declare the truths of, of God. Just renounce the, the lies right now and, and declare the truths of, of who God says you are. Oh man, I pray right now that there would be just uh, even just a, a deliverance in, in maybe different lifestyles, whether they've been private or public right now in your lives, that you would be freed from that in Jesus' name as you embrace this principle of putting off and putting on and letting the Holy Spirit put away those things that you can be free. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom behind these words. Lord, you want to see a people that is free with you as the head and us not being hindered by the things of this world, but being focused on you and walking in your ways, walking in a manner worthy of the calling so that there can be, like we saw last week, great unity as we walk in holiness. Lord, thank you for bringing that freedom. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. So please drop us a note.